0: Hello. Welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing communication for highly sensitive children and the inner child. This episode can be used in multiple ways, and it's going to mean something different to each of you. Some of you may hear this episode for your own inner child and how to speak to him or her. Some of you may hear this episode, and it may help you find your language to communicate, to relate to, and to connect with a young person in your world, whether it's a young adult or a very young child. For some of you, this episode may highlight what you missed in your own childhood in a way that I can only show you instead of tell you, and I hope that'll make sense as this episode unfolds. So here we are at the end of this year, and so much has happened. So much has been heavy and scary. We have had giant dilemmas of adulting to face with no clear roadmap about how to navigate some of these struggles. It's been a year of us doing the best that we knew how to do, even when we didn't know what we were doing. My heart goes out to any of you who have been nurturing younger people or very small souls through this year while doing your own adulting. If we were in a big banquet hall together Right now, this is the moment that I'd ask each parent to stand up and to take a round of applause because you've gotten through and to stand there and to feel that for a moment, that no matter how messy it was, no matter how confusing, no matter how scary, no matter how overwhelming, no matter how exhausting, you've made it through. Congratulations. And then I'd ask the rest of us to stand up and to feel another round of applause. Because there's so much that's there in that moment for us to stand and look back and reflect on having had no idea how to get through, and yet we get through. When we tuck that into our heart, when we tuck that into our emotional pocket, it's wisdom that we will use later in this life. Because it's not the last time that we're going to face great unknowns confusions, fears. So after we all take our big round of applause and take a moment to feel that, not just in mind, but in body, we can sit back down and exhale. Now I've started and stopped multiple times trying to create an episode of dialogue to our inner children and to our actual kids. And it hasn't felt right to me anytime I've sat down to put work into this. But I had an aha moment last week with my three-year-old niece, and I'm going to use the exchange that she and I had through her mother, it was texting, to show you how and why I choose to speak to children in the ways that I do, my rationale behind each word and each interaction, and why this is an important way of being with your own highly sensitive inner child or with an actual highly sensitive child that's in your world. And the example that I'm going to give isn't heavy. It's entirely uncharged and light. And that finally gave me some clarity and some peace about presenting this as an episode on emotional badass. Because that's how we learn. We don't take on the toughest things right out of the gate. We grow these muscles with the things that are easier so that we can build up to taking on the things that are harder. If you hear me give this dialogue that I'm going to give in a few minutes, and it leads you to some specific questions about how to find some language for yourself or for someone in your world about a specific topic, that makes for a fantastic submitted question on our monthly Q&A on Patreon. And I'd love to answer that for you and give some dialogue. The more that we immerse ourselves in healthy language, the more we embody the art form of communication. And it's important to note that it's easy to be a parent and get defensive about parenting strategies or parenting advice from someone who isn't a traditional parent. And I do believe that this is an unfortunate defensive folly I'm not parenting, so I may have more energy and more creativity to come up with solutions for any parent that I'm working with because these things are not rocket science, but they are difficult to come up with in the moment, especially while we're immersed in the day-to-day struggles of taking care of ourselves, of raising a child or multiple children while juggling all the modern things. So if any defensiveness comes up for you with me offering some tips, strategies, and tools to help with parenting or with anyone else, what I can offer is to sit with that defensiveness. What is that? And maybe take out a journal and allow that defensive voice to release, to be heard, to be acknowledged. Where's that coming from? What is that doing for you? What would you like to do with that defensiveness? How can you place that in your life in a way that can serve you instead of block you? What is the task to be done there? Another thing to note is that if we weren't spoken to as children with respect for our beginner's mind, with a respect for the capacity of our minds and learning when we were children, if we weren't met with eye contact And an appreciation for the wonder and the preciousness and the purity of being a young being on the planet, then we may feel a certain strangeness in our bodies. We may feel an inner resistance to creating that kind of moment with another adult or with a child. When we talk about intimacy, some people may use that as a code for sex. Okay, we can understand that if we're in that type of conversation and we're using the word intimacy in that way, but psychologically, a lot of intimacy has absolutely nothing to do with sex or sexuality. In my one-on-one work, I'm starting some group work in 2021. In all of this work, even in me being on the microphone with you, there's a certain intimacy because I'm talking about things that are deep, that are intimate. And when we didn't get enough of that, we don't have that muscle. So just because we have the idea, oh, I want to talk with more depth or I want to connect in a way that's different than how my parents or my family connected with me. When we go to do that work and step into that space, when we don't have the muscle for it, it can feel awkward. We can get inside of our heads and block ourselves from that very moment and be very confused as to why. So intimacy work is not just between two adults who want to get sexual. Intimacy work is work for all of us to do if we were emotionally neglected or underserved in that way by inadequate parenting. And the only way to practice this stuff is to practice it, is to do it, is to fumble through it, is to allow yourself to feel awkward, to allow yourself to grieve. Because sometimes when I offer these things, like this inner child dialogue, what it makes us realize is, oh, that's what I missed out on. And contrary to popular belief, haha, therapists don't like making people cry. We don't wake up in the morning like, oh, yeah, how many people can I make cry today? That'll be a success. But if you do find yourself emotional or teary, I encourage you to release that, to take a deep breath and to exhale and to release that pain, release that old layer of grief out of your body and out of your consciousness. Because if it hits you that way, it means this means something to you. And this dialogue that I offer, it's there for you. You can play with it. You can change it. You can make it your own. You can practice it. You can fumble through it. Just like if we were learning any other new language. I would not expect myself to pick up Spanish or Italian just because I heard one podcast in Spanish or Italian. I don't expect you, and I hope you don't expect you, to be able to pick up an entirely healthy, healing, whole vocabulary and language just because you listen to this episode. So the work that's at hand is to be able to hold yourself with a tenderness and a softness. And if you do that, with compassion and with respect for who you are and for where you came from. That's incredibly successful. And another way for you to use this episode on the seeker's path, on the healer's path. And this is sometimes why it does take therapy to break the cycles of abuse and neglect and inadequacy. If your kids are older and you hear me do this and you think, oh, no, I haven't done this with my kids. Great. I've screwed them up permanently. I'm such a failure. Then your work is to be able to hear this with self-compassion. That knowledge and skill does not fall out of the sky, but it takes practice. And you get to practice this healthy healing language with yourself right now, especially if the, the critical voice jumps up. You couldn't have practiced what you didn't know existed or didn't know how to do. This is why healthiness is a new language for most of us. And we are all learning the art form of healthy communication and the complexity that it is to meet ourselves and meet our needs, meet our desires, meet our old triggers in any given present moment to figure out what it is we need to hear from ourselves to ourselves or from ourselves to another. So, so I sent my three-year-old niece a picture of Gusto. We will put this picture up at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. It's Gusto in a Santa hat with his very fancy collar from his aunt, Sarah. Now, if you want to find Sarah, you can't cause she has a business online too. Her business here in Denver is Denver cooking classes. You can see some of her amazing food. If you go find her on Instagram, And she got this very fancy collar from Dogwood Collars, another female-owned business here in Denver, I believe. And if you've never seen a fly-looking poodle, this picture is a fly-looking poodle. Even though he's my boy, I have to say he looks pretty good. And he knows that this collar makes him look fancy because when we take it off, he doesn't like it. He wants it put on right away. (laughs) So I sent this picture to my niece in Texas. And she sent back through her mother this question. She wanted to know if Gusto got his beaded necklace from Mardi Gras. So when you're from the Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama area, you grow up with some Mardi Gras in your world. Now, it would have been very easy for me to give her an answer very much like I would have received from my own family. No, he didn't get that from Mardi Gras. A friend gave it. And that would have been an appropriate answer, it would have been a simple answer, it would have been a truthful answer, it would have been an age-appropriate answer, all of those things. Nothing wrong with that answer. But I'm highly aware that this sweet girl in my life is definitely highly sensitive. She definitely moves through the world observing and she asks a lot of questions. And that's what we do as highly sensitive people. So this is what I responded back to her question. Did Gusto get his nice beaded necklace from Mardi Gras? I'm going to read it to you all the way and then I'm going to break it down. That does look like Mardi Gras beads. Gusto and Chris have never been to Mardi Gras. Maybe your mom can show you a map. Chris was a boy in New York. When mom and I were little girls, we lived in Louisiana where the biggest Mardi Gras happens. And where you go to see the big river and the tugboats that toot. Now you live in Texas. Chris and I live in Colorado by the mountains. Your grandpa lives in Louisiana. We should probably take Chris to Mardi Gras one year together. I bet that would be fun. In New York, he saw parades, but only floats, no throws. No beads, no cups, no doubloons. We have to teach him how to say, hey, throw me something, mister, and how to not get conked in the head. And she, her mom sent back that she really loved that response. Now, in the first response, I tell her, that does look like Monty Gras beads. What I'm doing there is I'm validating what she saw right on the money from her little perspective and having experienced her first Mardi Gras, that those look like Mardi Gras beads. Einstein has a quote where he talks about intelligence being the number of connections that we can make. So as I move on to tell her that Gusto and Chris have never been to Mardi Gras, what I'm doing with that statement is starting to teach a young one other people have different experiences. This is a very important part of teaching children empathy. It's not as simple as a child getting in a fight with another child or fighting over a toy and making that child say, I'm sorry. That's not as empathy building as we would like to believe that it is. When I say to her, Chris and Gusto have never been to Mardi Gras, what I'm doing is I'm implanting the seeds that oh, other people are different. Oh, other people have different experiences other than our own. Isn't that interesting? That is something to think about.
1: Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive, Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to CalmHistory.com.
0: Now all this year in the news and everything political, what has been apparent to me is that that's a big time struggle for grown-ups right now, is to consider that other people have different experiences, very different than their own and may have different perspectives from those experiences. So I'm helping her engage her mom to help her because at three she needs a little help to figure these things out. So at three we can introduce that there's a map that shows you where you live and how far away I live. And that's a great way for a child that isn't in my city where I live, for us to stay connected. So that when I send her a letter, she can look at that map and start to build some understanding about where that came from and how it got to her. So if Einstein was right about intelligence being the number of connections, I want to help a little one make reasonable, age-appropriate connections. Letting her know that when her mom and I were little girls, we lived in Louisiana That's a way to even plant a seed that as we move through life, things will change and things will be different. And I know that might sound like an overstretch or a really big concept, but we're not just a conscious mind, y'all. We're a subconscious mind. So I'm aware that her little mind, even when she can't fully understand how far away I am on a map, those seeds are being planted, not just in her consciousness, but in her subconsciousness. I acknowledge where the biggest Mardi Gras happens. She saw Mardi Gras in her little awareness, in her little memory bank of history. And it was a big deal. It was exciting for her to go see the big Mississippi River. And I have a similar memory. So, in sharing this with her, I'm also sharing it with my own inner child. And I'm sure I'm not alone with Louisiana people. But if you live by big bodies of water, if you live anywhere near the Mississippi all through the U.S., I'm sure lots of us as kids saw the riverboats, saw the tugboats, and just like we like making big trucks toot and blow the horn, when we grow up near water, we like to make the boats toot and the captains toot to see little kids wave. So by mentioning that, I ha- it's like an anchor. Where in her mind, she gets to go back to, oh, that's New Orleans. Oh, that's where the big giant Mardi Gras happens. It's a connection. I mentioned that Chris and I live in Colorado by the mountains. So that when she looks at that map, she can see the depiction of the mountains. Letting her know that her grandpa still lives in Louisiana will help her start to feel travel time. Because she gets in the car to travel To see her grandpa. When I let her know, hey, we should probably take Chris to Mardi Gras one year together. Especially in this 2020 year, what I'm doing is saying there will be a time when we hang out in the future. I will see you. We can imagine and we can gather and we can share experiences together. We need that as human beings. And this year has taken a lot of that away. Even the words, I bet that would be fun, is something that I intentionally shared with her. It's a way to light up for each other. If you've been in my boundaries course, I've taught it the last five years, then you sat through that lesson with me in the beginning of that course, how important it is to light up for ourselves and light up for each other. If you've listened to the episode I did this year about imagination, that fits here too. That we can imagine the fun that we can have together. It's an empathy exercise when we imagine sharing something that someone has never experienced before just for the joy of it, just to see someone light up and have the experience of the first time. That's a beautiful thing that as humans, we bring to each other. We share with each other. And just to draw this out a little bit more, letting her know that where Chris grew up in New York, that he has seen floats, but no throws. That's what we call them in New Orleans and Mardi Gras. People on the floats, they throw throws. They throw beads. They throw cups. They throw doubloons. Sometimes they throw moon pies. If you go to Zulu on Mardi Gras day, they throw black and gold painted coconuts that they're not supposed to throw them, but they kind of do. They're supposed to hand them to you so no one gets hurt. But in mentioning this, again, I'm planting a seed that, wow, we're different. And as human beings, we have different experiences wherever we go, wherever we live. This is even, if I stretch this for this audience, this is even a way for me to plant some seeds about the four agreements. How much of our life as adults is spent making assumptions? about other people. So what I'm saying to her in essence is, we don't assume that other people have the same experience that we do. And again, back to a sharing seed. We have to teach him how to say, hey, throw me something, mister. That's not just about what we do as a New Orleans or Louisiana culture. It's about how we share the experience of that culture. Anytime I had little kids around me, even as a teenager, and they were having their first Mardi Gras, their first parade experiences, that's what we practice. We say, hey, throw me something, mister. I'm 40 years old. That comes from my childhood. And it comes from before my childhood. So there's a passing on, not just of foods, not just of dialects, but of these shared experiences, these shared sayings to my knowledge, nowhere else has that little saying about parades. So it's special. It's ours. It's community. And that little word about how to not get conked on the head, that's an expression of me. I'm a bit of a goofball. Empaths, if we attract the energies of other people, And other people don't even really understand why they can be attracted to us. That's why before COVID, I've had so many experiences in my life where strangers would just come up to me and tell me some deep, dark secret of trauma or something from their childhood or something that very much puzzled them that they sought me out to say. I've even had people see me. I had an experience not so long before everything shut down where Chris and I were at a play. And a woman after the play, when everybody's flooded out, just saw me and just took a beeline for me like she knew me, like we were old acquaintances and she didn't, we had never met each other. And she just said she wanted to give me a hug because she felt my energy. So when I say to a little three-year-old, ah, we have to teach Chris how to say, hey, throw me something, mister, and how to not get conked on the head. That really grounds us in the experience of it, memory wise for her. Because it's something you only know if you've experienced a parade where people are throwing things. That part of the fun, part of the excitement, as weird as it sounds, is also dodging and making sure that other people don't get hit in the head too. That is the intimacy of, of knowing and experience and of sharing experiences. I want my interactions with children to foster their curiosity, their exploration. I probably don't use the word curiosity enough But I know that if I went back and listened to a lot of episodes through the lens of curiosity, that's often what I'm offering you. That's so much about our mental health, so much about our growth, so much about our shedding of old traumas is about bringing a sense of curiosity. So those of us as adults who are doing that work to learn how to step out of fear and step out of anxiety to bring more of a sense of mindful curiosity. We can do so much for our younger people, for our children, as a tribe, by helping them nurture exploration and curiosity. You know, one of the big trappings of mental health and science is that we will never, ever, ever be able to measure and prove what we prevent. I very much believe that the cultivation of curiosity and exploration in our youth is a fortifying agent against the critical voice that can develop, against the depression gremlins that can pop up so often in life? How many of you who are listening have felt hurt in life because you've gone through feeling unseen? I very much could have given this little in my life a very short, quick answer. Nope, Gusto's necklace is not for Mardi Gras. And nothing would have been wrong with that. But I also wanted to give her an answer that says, I see you, little one. I see your curiosity, and I am going to step right in here to honor your curiosity and answer it. A developing brain is hungry for this kind of enrichment. Our human nature is that we want to connect. Now those of us that have been very hurt by other human beings might bristle at that. No, but I don't want to connect, but that's still just trauma. That's defense mechanism. If you didn't want a sense of connection, you wouldn't be listening to my show. And maybe you just stumbled across it, maybe this is the first one for you. But if this is at least your second episode you've listened to, you're probably listening to me in part because you want to feel connected and something about what i offer feels connecty i want to respect the spiritual newness of a young being and the clean slate of her precious psyche and i want to feed from my language centers with my voice i want to enrich the world of any child that comes across my path most importantly, I gave this type of answer to this precious three-year-old in my life because she asked. In my field as a therapist, there, there are some jokes about therapists screwing up their children. And, and where that kind of joke comes from is that we can over-explain to kids too. And sometimes when we're recovering from a traumatic childhood, this might be a way that we inadvertently create unnecessary struggle. That the pendulum may swing from being so unseen or so unheard or getting so little explanation that we may swing all the way to too much explanation, to overloading the newness and the preciousness of a clean slate child's mind. So there's balance to be had in all things. But when a child asks a question, it's as if a child is saying, Hi, hello, I'm here. I'm ready for this information because my mind is going there. I'm wondering. Each conversation that I get to have with a child, it feels like a precious privilege and an honor. And I believe that about every inner child. I get the privilege of interacting with through my work too. It's developed into its own gratitude practice for me. And I don't do this perfectly, and I know it sounds like an ideal coming out of my mouth in this moment. I don't mean it as an ideal. We are practice. We are not perfection. But I'm a believer that all moments are potentially impactful. And I don't want that to come across as a pressure or as a neuroses that we must manage every single moment with a child. That's too much. It's not the essence of what I'm trying to deliver or show or highlight. But moving through life with this lens that each moment is precious, it helps me in my interactions with my own inner child, with other children, and then just in moments of life, that on a walk I can see a pretty flower and allow that pretty flower to impact me in that moment. Just to say, hi, hello, beauty exists, no matter how hard your day was, no matter how crazy adulting has been today. Look, here's a little bit of beauty for you. Step outside of that stress and be here with this flower in this moment. I hope there's something in this week's episode that helps you hold space for all you've been through this year and to allow some simple dialogue from yourself to yourself. Maybe simply explaining things like, wow, grownups had to face a lot this year. And the scary thing about being a grown-up, is that we don't always have all the answers. Sometimes the answers aren't available. And we have to keep going and keep living, keep making decisions out of the information we do have, even when that feels like not enough. And that's hard. And it's tough. And there's a lot of judgment out there there's a lot of harshness, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of energetic forces that are heavy and tight. We can acknowledge that stuff simply. What happens inside of your own body when you simplify and acknowledge and make connections? It's not just the words that we say, it's also the energy that we hold as we talk to ourselves and each other light and love and take care of yourselves with simplicity. And I'll see you next time. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful light and love. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: dot com.